0: Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder, a show where we interview experts about how to move up the corporate ladder. And today, we are talking about unforgettable personal branding. And joining us today, we have Rochelle Moulton, and she is a professional branding expert. So Rochelle, could you tell us a little bit about why personal branding is so important in today's job market? Sure. Thanks, Katie. I'm glad to be here. Here's how I would look at
1: it. For every job that's posted today in corporate America, there's an average of 250 people that are going to apply. So the question becomes, how are you going to be one of the maybe four to 10 people that are going to get called in for an interview, never mind to be the one who actually gets hired? So you mm-hmm. need a rock solid personal brand that's really going to differentiate you from everybody else.
0: All right, so. What do um, you do for individuals that are looking to develop that unforgettable personal brand?
1: I like to think of it in terms of you really want to do three things, okay? And the first one is you want to master your story. And I suspect Mm -hmm. we'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute. And then you need to be able to market yourself using marketing principles to get your message out there and to use media effectively. And sometimes it's social media, sometimes it's bigger media. So master your story market yourself, and then use media appropriately.
0: All right. So you kind of mentioned earlier that really the end goal with this personal branding would be to get a job. You know, you kind of mentioned those three components that kind of make up your personal brand. So could you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by master your story and kind of what that process looks like and how people can go about getting started with that? Sure. And I think that really what you
1: want to do is you want to understand both what you want, what do you most want, and what is unique or you know unforgettable about you. And I, I think we tend to think that it's about technical expertise, you know, what, what we know, what we've learned. And while that matters, it's really about how you make people feel. And so you want to think about deciding who you want to work with, the environments that best suit you, the work that really matters to you. So where I start with all of that usually is with values and marketers would call those attributes. But what really matters to you? And so really simple exercise is just write down all of your values, every single one you can think of, preferably as one word answers. Mm-hmm. And then you keep adding to that until you have you know, everything you can possibly think of. And then what you do is you start crossing them off, because you want to decide which ones are the most important. And you want to get your list. And sometimes people start with lists of 20 or 30 and get it down to five. And those are attributes. Those become how you want to express your personal brand, because it's all about your values and what's important to you. Mm -hmm. And so those five become the themes that you express whenever somebody has a touch point with you. Okay. so just in terms of an example, let's say that you have a value of empathy. Mm -hmm. Okay. so you're not going to walk into an interview and start telling them how wonderful you are. You're going to be working to make a connection with your interviewer, and you'll weave examples of how you show empathy in your resume, and in your interviews, even if you never actually use the word anywhere in a resume.
0: Mm-hmm. Could you give us an example of why em- empathy would be like a great attribute to have when you're applying for a job? Because that's not really like, like you mentioned earlier, those technical skills, those hard skills. It's more of a soft skill. So how is um, right. using empathy as an example, something that's really going to be a major selling point for you to get that job?
1: Certainly, one of the things empathy does is it allows you to put yourself in the shoes of your interviewer and make mm-hmm. a connection with them as a person. And so making that connection is never going to be wasted. But the flip side is, let's say it's not about the interview. Let's say it's about the work itself. So if you have two people and they have the same technical skills, they've got an equal amount of education, they've got you know, good experience, which one are you going to pick? You're going to pick the one with that soft skill who seems to be able to pull things out of you and who cares about you. So, yeah, I think, I think if empathy is really built into your DNA and is part of a core value, I think that would be huge mm-hmm. in terms of differentiating yourself from others in your space.
0: All right. So once you've kind of developed your attributes and you've really narrowed that list down and you've figured out how you're really going to go in these interviews and sell yourself, what's the next stop?
1: here's the thing, and some people kind of think they've done this when they've created a resume, but you really want to catalog your life experiences. I mean, literally put the resume aside and then dig for the top, say, 10 to 15 most memorable experiences, good and bad, of your life. Mm -hmm. And the reason you want to do that is getting inside of those experiences is what lights you up and shows yourself how you got through times of adversity. So, what lights you up and how you made it through adversity are really key to understanding what you have to offer in a business setting. And one of the things I do with clients is I want to take those experiences and mine them, M-I-N-E, mm-hmm. for the talents and passions that they bring to their work. So y- you could take a bad experience. Maybe you were left alone a lot as a child, your parents were off working or, or whatever. But you wound up really stepping up and taking care of your younger brothers and sisters, and you developed some leadership skills. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty amazing. Or it could be something more positive that maybe you don't do theater anymore, but you did it in high school, and it really helped you to hone your presentation skills.
0: So those would be really good examples to use when an interviewer might be asking you like a question that says, um, tell me about a time when, and they're really looking for that behavioral question to Mm -hmm. see what you've done in past situations. So those are the stories about yourself that you can keep in your back pocket to use in those situations.
1: Well, absolutely, Katie. And I think the other thing that happens is that sometimes when you're looking for a job and you don't currently have one, confidence can be you know, a problem. And mm-hmm. when you look back on these experiences, and you realize that you've been resilient, and you've done some amazing things in your life, it renews that sense of confidence, which I think you need to to really do interviews well.
0: So what's the importance of kind of defining who your key competitors are within um, your job search process and kind of building your personal brand?
1: Here's the thinking. I mean, a lot of my clients are people who have businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think Defining your competitors is really critical. I think with a more traditional job, defining your competitors is maybe less critical, but I think it's still important. I think you want to know who's out there because you know, let's say that you're falling behind in terms of developing your your skill set, that everybody else has this core competency and you don't. Okay, so so that tells you something. What I don't like is I, I don't think it makes sense to you can use competitors as a benchmark,
0: but mm-hmm. not
1: as uh, the yardstick. The They're not the yardstick because you want to play your own game here. You want to really focus on what you do well, play your game, not the competitors. But you do want to be aware of you know who they are and what they're doing. Let me just throw one more idea out there, which a term I use a lot called brand neighborhood. And mm-hmm. sometimes I use that instead of competitor. And brand neighborhood can be people who you technically don't compete with, but you really admire and you would like to kind of incorporate some of those, those qualities and, and approaches in your own approach to, to your work or to your job search. So that's another way to kind of think about who else is kind of in the neighborhood. If I could choose my ideal neighborhood, who else would be living on the same block?
0: Right, right we've kind of figured out how you can kind of figure out what your attributes are, how you can, you know, catalog your life experiences and what you can do with looking at your um, brand neighborhood or your competitors. So one of the points that you had mentioned earlier was marketing yourself. So can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for a job seeker when they're building their personal brand? Sure. And let me just add one more thought
1: that kind of um, piggybacks on both of those. And Mm -hmm. that is you do need to have a vision, Mm-hmm. And when I say vision, I don't necessarily mean a lofty, overarching vision, but you have to know where you want to go. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. It just has to mean something to you and have the potential to engage others. So let me just give you an example. Getting a great job in the pharmaceutical industry, Right. right? that's not a vision. I want to improve people's daily health is a vision. Mm-hmm. And so the important thing about this is you always want your vision to be bigger than you so that you're focused on who you're serving. Because your vision isn't to serve yourself, even though that is what happens. It's how am I making my little corner of the world a better place? And so I think you need to be clear on that in order to then start marketing yourself.
0: Okay. So kind of taking um, that, um, the pharmacist kind of role or being in the pharmaceutical industry. So once you've developed your vision, how do you kind of Take that vision through to your marketing. Does that kind of come out within like the content that you post on your social media channels and the way that you write your resume?
1: It's all of those things. But let's let's take a couple of really concrete examples. Let's say that you've gone through the values exercise and you have your five words. Okay, those five words. If, if we were marketing um, soap, we would use those five themes. And those mm-hmm. concepts, not necessarily the word like with empathy, we might not put empathy in a resume, but we might try to convey the idea of empathy. So you want to take those five themes and build them into every single thing that you do. And, and I, I literally mean everything, your stories, the stories that you tell that incorporate the experiences, but they also incorporate these five themes. What I call visuals, which could be something as simple as how you look when you walk into a room. Mm -hmm. to uh, any material you hand them online or otherwise. It could be the photo you put on your social media sites, all of those. And then it also has to tie back to your actions because what we're talking about is who are you? What are your values? How do you live? How do you work? What can I expect from you? And when I say I, what can the people who touch you expect from you? So it can be little things like being on time. I mean, we all know that it doesn't always happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you want all of your messages, your physical and visual messages, anything in writing, including your resume, your emails that you send, a cover letter, all of those things should be telling a consistent story. Consistency is sometimes is really underrated. I mean, consistency is important because you're telling a potential employer what to expect by the sum total of everything they see about you.
0: Right. And when you have those inconsistencies, it kind of raises a red flag for the employer. So do you have any tips for remaining consistent throughout this process? Well, I mean, it's going to sound sort of like almost kindergarten simple, Mm -hmm. but it's
1: really the truer you are to who you are, to who you really truly are, the easier it is to be consistent. So let's say that you decide, well, I'm going to be the high-touch person who sends everybody a handwritten note. But in reality, you're really not like that. You're really not a high-touch person. You're really much more, and there's nothing wrong with this, but you'd much rather be kind of solo and have less contact with people. That would be a really difficult thing to live up to. It would be really hard for you to do that consistently. So you want to pick just a few things. That are meaningful to you, that reflect your brand, and that you can do without having to think about them.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um, I really like how you said it's kind of as simple as taking it back to kindergarten and being yourself. And I think a lot of times when we're in the job market and you're looking for a job, there's always that stress and that pressure thinking, I got to get another job. Been without a job mm-hmm. for one month, two months, three months now. And it's easy, I think, to start kind of being less and less yourself and being more what you think the employer or the interviewer wants you to be.
1: Exactly. And that pressure is so hard. I mean, I don't want to underestimate that. I'm not saying that that it's easy. But if you keep coming back to center, you know, your starting point is, who are you? What are your strengths and your talents and your passions? You know, it's not about fixing what you don't do as well as somebody else. It's about really doing what you do well, even better.
0: That's a really good tip, and I'm really glad that you shared that. So, when you're going through this process, what is the biggest challenge that you've seen people go through when they're developing their personal brand?
1: Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny when you think about it. There's something that I, I do a lot with my
0: entrepreneurial clients,
1: um, and, and I call it niching, okay. and it usually scares the heck out of them at first. And niching just says that I'm going to define my marketplace. Okay. I'm going to define my part of the planet so that it's big enough to meet my ambition, but small enough so that I can own it. And so I I just give you an example. I once worked with a, a PR executive who kept attracting what she called the broken tortured. And it was clear to me, it was the messaging she was using on her website and some other areas. And the minute And I literally mean almost to the minute that she changed her marketing to focus on people who had vibrant businesses, her phone began to ring. It's not about being super specialized. It's about being in a niche that you can talk about and that you can own. And it's, it's hard to do that like very early in your career, but once you have some experiences and you've started to see, oh, I like this area, I don't like this area, you can start to really focus on the areas that matter to you. And the, the, the tighter you can make that, the more valuable you are.
0: Right. That, make, that makes sense. And I'm sure that our listeners will be able to relate to the example that you just gave. And I can definitely appreciate the stories that you've shared with us today. We are running against the clock, though. So um, is there any final message that you'd want to share um, with our listeners regarding this topic and um, you know, how they can really craft an unforgettable personal branding message?
1: I think if, if I had to give somebody you know, one piece of advice beyond what I've already said, I would say take some risks and have some fun with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about this, the things that go viral are always the things that really reflect us and that where we gave ourselves permission to stand out in ways that felt like us. So all I'm saying is it doesn't have to be 100% serious all the time. Try something that maybe feels a little bit out of your comfort zone and see what happens.
0: Well, there you have it. If you take some chances and you take a little bit of risk, there might be a reward waiting for you there. But unfortunately, that is all the time that we have today on Moving Up the Ladder. And I just want to thank Rochelle for joining us and sharing her expert advice. We do appreciate it. Thanks, Katie. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you. Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to ljnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, you can send me an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. And once again, I'm Katie Chesney, your host, and I wish you the best of luck with your job search.